Hi, I'm Big Gay James, and this is the very first episode of Knox Pride Podcast, a bi-monthly sit-down with members of Knoxville's queer community. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Navarro-Camp, and our co-producer, J.D. Davis, and we're going to introduce ourselves to you. Have a little get-to-know-you sesh. Hi, boys. Hello. Hello. Are you guys as excited to be here as I am? I am so excited to do this, finally. I am pleased as punch to be here. We've been putting in a lot of pre-work to get this off of the ground, and we're super excited to finally be recording something for you all. So we're going to get some formal introductions out of the way. First of all, my name is James Owens, a.k.a. Big Gay James. And here at Knox Pride, I am the volunteer coordinator. I'm a Libra. I'm in my early to mid 40s. (laughs) (laughs) Very attractive. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, My pronouns are uh, he, him, or they, them. Matt, tell us about you. Well, I am Matt. Hello, uh, Matty Navarro Camp. Um, I'm just really glad to be here, guys. Like it's been so long. Um, what are your pronouns, Matt? My pronouns are he, him. And what's Excellent. your role here at Knox Pride? I am the director of merchandising and technology with Knox Pride. Beautiful. And JD, how about you? Well, my pronouns are he, him, and with Knox Pride, I am in charge of the food pantry currently. Amazing. If you guys didn't know, Knox Pride has a food pantry for the needy, and we're always looking for help with that. So I thought today we would just sit here in the studio and have a little get to know you. I've got some questions prepared. Matt prepared some questions. We're going to share some stories with you, and uh, you won't hear a lot from JD on this podcast, but I think he's going to chime in a few times in this first episode just so you guys know who he is and that he's here. Um, but he is blessing us with his amazing technical ability so that all Matt and I have to do is run our mouths on the microphone. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's going to take care of us on that end, and we're going to do we're going to do the fun stuff. The fun stuff. Although I I think this is the fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) This, I wish you guys could see this fancy setup that we have. Uh, Thanks to the United Way, it's this beautiful. What is this called? A deck? A a mixer? Roadcaster Pro Two mixer. All I see is a bunch of lights and like buttons and widgets. And if you push one button, it makes like a womp womp noise. Push that button for us. Do you know which one it is? I sure do. I love that. Amazing. 10 out of 10 would recommend. I feel like that was like the first thing we really did when we got this stuff. We just played around for like 10 minutes. You all had to get an introduction to the board. So, yeah, it was educational purposes. All that recording we did on the sound disorder was educational purposes. All right, guys. I got, uh, I got a pretty, uh, a pretty pressing question for you guys okay. to start out with, I think. I want to know what each of your first gay bar experiences were. I want you guys to tell me the fir- about the first time you ever went to a gay bar. Oh, gosh. I was 18, I think. I was freshly 18. Like... So it was three years ago? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> um, but I was just out of high school. And so my sister is a lesbian, too. And so we went to um, 
Carousel. And that was the first bar I ever went to, and it was so much fun. And I remember the first night being there, my sister had to tie her shoe, so she handed me her drink, and I'm 18, so the bouncer oh, comes no. up. It was like, you got to get out of here. I was like, what What did I do? And he was like, you're drinking. I was like, no, 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 no. She's tying her shoe and I'm just holding yeah, right, her drink. <laughs> I swear, I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, I'm about to get kicked out of here. But uh, he was like, okay, this is your this is your warning. This is your first time here. So I'm like, okay, cool. I was terrified. Like I was going to get thrown out of here. I'm like, this is my first time at a gay bar. I'm getting thrown out. Okay, okay, but... Real talk, who amongst us has not been thrown out of the carousel before? <laughs> I don't know that I ever got thrown out of the carousel, but I have definitely been thrown out of a gay bar in Ohio before. <laughs> Wait, so Matt, what year was it when you were 18? Oh, it was 2011. Oh, I was going to say, was that bouncer me? Because I did work <laughs> at the carousel for a while, mostly as a bar back. But that was in 2006, so that would have been when you were 13, I suppose. (laughs) Great. Let's move on. JD. (laughs) Uh, My first gay bar experience was also the Carousel 2, May She Rest in Peace. And nothing memorable about it, but it just took that one visit. And then after that, I think I started going out six nights a week like if a bar was open i was and at the carousel i was at the carousel like four nights out of the week i'm fairly certain we oh saw yeah there a lot like immediately you went out to the gay bar one time and then immediately you were hooked is that what you're saying yes <laughs> sometimes I that's all that. it takes it was the early 2000s so i uh, actually in 2000 i lived on white avenue directly behind the carousel so i was there all the time Um, But that was not my first gay bar experience. My first gay bar experience was in 1998. And a friend of mine named Melissa and I both turned 18 uh, within a couple weeks of each other. And we decided that we wanted to come to Knoxville because I grew up in Oak Ridge. And we wanted to go to a gay bar. So we opened up the Yellow Pages. That's a phone book. That's the place but, to find a gay now, bar. Now you have to explain what a phone book a is. A phone book was a physical copy of everyone in the area's phone numbers. And it was and, 20 and pounds. It weighed a lot. Um, but we we just looked up nightclubs in the Yellow Pages, and we found one called The Rainbow Room. And we were like, well, that's got to be gay. <laughs> So we, um, I mean, we must have like map quested or something directions. I don't remember how you used to get to places in 1998 without GPS, but we found our way to the Rainbow Room when it was in the old city. Um, and it was eight o'clock at night because we didn't know how gay bars worked <laughs> because we were still in high school. And um, we ordered some cheese sticks and uh, stayed about an hour, and then we left and went next door to this novelty shop that used to be in the Old City. I believe it was called Adam and Eve. And they had, um, you know, they had, like, tobacco smoking products and sex toys and things like that, but they also had T-shirts, and I bought a little tiny rainbow flag patch that I tucked down in one of the pockets of my wallet where I knew nobody would find it. And uh, that's how I showed my pride for, like, I don't know, the first three years of being a semi-openly queer person back then. I believe the rainbow 
was where we met each other. It was. We used to, on Thursdays, we would do karaoke at Rainbow in the Old City, and then we would go to Lord Lindsay's and do the things that you did at Lord Lindsay's <laughs> <laughs> on into the morning. And Lord Lindsay's was the first uh, bar where I knew the employees and I knew the people who worked the door. And so we, there used to be a line down the street to get into it, but we never had to wait in it because we knew all the right people. And that was the first the first time I ever sensed, like, uh, I don't know, being important or, like, mattering or whatever. It, it was very empowering as a 20-year-old queer person. So who was your first drag queen then? Do you remember? The first drag queen I ever saw... I think Champelle. It probably yeah. it was it was probably Champelle Denise or India Dupree. Um Champelle's no longer with us, but she was an incredible entertainer. She was um at the carousel. And I would I would if I had a million dollars and I could give it to be able to watch her do my goodies one more time on that stage, I certainly would. Um but but it was either her or India Dupree or um Maybe Ashley O'Neill. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it was. Yeah. See, I remember Champelle. Um, she was the first. And then the second one I seen was uh, Anastasia Alexander. Oh, yeah. Okay. And she was crazy. She was flipping around. And I was like, this is amazing. I, I never want to leave this bar See, we, ever again. JD and I come from the generation of seeing like... Demetria literally light the stage on fire and like that's crazy. Or staple staple dollar bills to herself. Staple dollar bills to herself. No. And yeah, the drag scene used to be pretty nuts here. It is actually the drag scene is currently in Knoxville. I think the best it's ever been. There's a lot of really incredible entertainers uh, right now, but those early two thousands girls, they they definitely. They definitely knew what they were doing. And what's so funny is like now when we have the drag nights here at the Pride Center, some of these new queens are really good. Like they like put in their effort at home to to get this stuff done and they are amazing. It is it is mind blowing the confidence that some of these young entertainers have when they come here. Yeah. It's something that took me over a decade of entertaining to to learn and they just have it straight out of the gate and it's inspiring i'm very inspired by the young queers here in this town that's yeah. for sure well we've discussed gay bars we've let you know around how old each of us <laughs> is. uh ladies never tell their real age you can but, put it together um, you you can realize that two of us are of a generation and one of us is of the generation right below us Let's see. I want to know who uh, who was the first influential queer person that any that e either of you guys or both of you guys met. Like, who was the first person that you ever met who was queer that you thought, oh, I can be queer and also all of the other things that I am. I I feel inspired by this person. If that makes any sense. I think the first gay person I ever really seen, I guess we're like, quote unquote, seen a gay person. But like RuPaul was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I, I remember that. her first of being all, I love on that. that. And I loved it. Like looking at her, I knew who like I guess RuPaul was. But just seeing that on television, I was like, that's amazing. It, this was the early 2000s, late 90s. So it was it was crazy. But I think like that I look up to 
it's not really anybody famous, I guess. Like, this is kind of like a story that, like, growing up in high school, I was typically the only gay person there. I wasn't, like, exactly out back then, but, like, there was somebody else there that was, you know, a little bit more flamboyant than, like, other kids were back then. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like, they were just going to the beat of their own drum, which kind of helped me come out later on. So I think that that one person I went to high school with was someone I looked up to, I think, at that point. Did you come out when you were in high school? I came out when I was, uh, yeah, in high school. I was a freshman. I came out to a lot of people when I was in high school. I didn't come out to my family until after I was out of high school. Um, after actually until after my sister got out of, she was two years older than me. And once she got out of high school and we weren't in the same school anymore, I came out to quite a a few people, um, but not to my family until after high school. What about you, JD? Yeah, I came out to a few people in high school, um, because I had the path of being bi, then being gay, then being bi again. And now I'm pansexual is my identity. Uh, but yeah, I didn't come out to my family until... I was 19, 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah. See, I had a lot of or 20, not in, not, not in. (laughs) (laughs) See, I, the the hardest part for me was admitting it to myself. Cause once I started telling other people, basically the reaction was always like, no, duh. Like we, (laughs) we knew, you know, but initially like the first person I ever said out loud to that I was gay was, somebody who was bullying me and it was somebody who daily would just follow me in the hallway and say like, are you gay? Are you gay? Are you a queer? Are you a fag? And finally I turned around and I just said, yes. And the guy just said, oh, okay. And then he never bothered me again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. Was there anybody like that you guys looked up to like as children or like even now? Like, um, I think that, uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not very uh, normal. (laughs) Um, The first queer person that I remember being like affected by and thinking I want to be like that person was when I would watch. I'm a huge, I've always been a big fan of game shows. Um, I've hosted a lot of things. My favorite, uh, my like idols when I was a kid was like, Mark Summers and Alex Trebek and people who hosted things. And so I used to watch game shows all the time. And I remember just being infatuated with Bruce Valanche every time he was on the Hollywood squares. And I think that I've probably grown up to be something very similar (laughs) to Bruce Valanche, which I'm very proud of. Um, But locally here in Knoxville, the first, I think the first influential gay person I ever met was Ricky Moon. And uh, most of you listening hopefully know who Ricky Moon is. Richard Moon. Um, But he is a Knoxville queer icon. And I was probably 19 or so when I met him at Goth Night in the old Fairbanks building downtown. And um, he was so cool. I think that we made out and he gave me a tarot reading. And for weeks I kept telling people about this awesome person that I met. And when I said Ricky moon, they would all respond with, Oh yeah, I know Ricky moon. And I remember like having a conversation with myself saying that one day I wanted to be the person who, when you say there, when you say big gay James, everyone goes, Oh yeah, I know big gay James. Um, So I think that those are probably the two people who influenced me the most at a young age, Bruce Valanche and Ricky moon. (laughs) 
two sides of the same coin. Yes, two sides of the same coin. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. I feel like I'm asking all the questions, Matt. What kind of questions do you have? Well, that was only your second question. You're let me, right. Let me <laughs> let me get a good one. Let's see. So, like when I first started meeting you, James, I kind of seen you as you know big gay James being a host or MC for um, Bear It All or for Salome Cabaret. What? kind of got you into doing that like why why did you start you know being like a host and MC? well first of all post pandemic that seems like a lifetime ago it seems like a different time and a different person but um i actually i mean i grew up doing theater uh at the oak ridge playhouse and um when i got when i turned 20 i made the big move to knoxville <laughs> and uh I met uh, a good friend of mine who is an entertainer named Siren Santina. At the time, we, neither of us were in the entertainment business. She was a music major, and I was just sleeping on people's couches, not really doing anything. And she formed a burlesque troupe with some local girls called White Lightning Burlesque. Um, and I was sort of their, their errand runner um, I just did whatever they needed me to. I would take pictures of their um, performances. And that led into Salome Cabaret, where I was also taking pictures and just being sort of like backstage support. And I really had the itch to get back into performing, but wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I started writing these little like after school special type sketches with um, another entertainer named Tracy. And the girls of Salome Cabaret were like, well, you can do your little plays in our shows if you want. And so <laughs> we started doing these very like Amy Sedaris, Strangers with Candy type sketches in their burlesque shows. And mostly people were annoyed that we weren't taking any clothes off. Um, but some people listened and we gained a little tiny fan base. And um, eventually the, the original MC for Salome Cabaret um, stepped out and I stepped into the position of MC. Um, and my first show was a disaster because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but luckily they, they kept inviting me back and I became the main host for Salome Cabaret. And then that led to a lot of opportunities. It led to bear it all. It led to being on the staff for the Smoky Mountain Burlesque Festival. I got to travel all over the country um, and meet other entertainers from all all over the world. And it was really great. And then the pandemic happened. <laughs> but, well, now you're doing it again. Um, you're hosting um, that show at South Press. I am. I'm doing a monthly gig at South Press called Kingdom. Um, it's a Drag King and MX review. Um, it's a lot of fun. We uh, have a show coming up in January. Except I don't know when we're putting this episode out, so that might not matter. But you can you can always check our socials for details on it. Also, shout out to South Press. Yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to South Press. If you're in Knoxville and you haven't visited Jocelyn, um, you should. And if you have, you should again. It's an incredible warm space with delicious coffee and yeah. treats. The shop is amazing. The drinks are amazing. I've got a question for you, both of you. This is a... This is a deep one. This is a deep cut. Okay. Why is Knox Pride important to you? 
for me, a lot of it is just about giving back to the community, which I know seems like a cliched answer, but, you know, as you said earlier, me and you are of a particular generation. And I think we grew up in a time when we didn't have a whole lot of elders to look up to because a lot of them had been taken by um, the AIDS epidemic. And we are now in those roles where we can be mentors and leaders in our community. And I think, you know, I've, I've got the means to do, to do so. I've got the means and the time to be of service to other people. So why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I give back? That's a good answer. I know. I, it's it's very similar to mine. I feel like when we were in the early 2000s, when we were experiencing things for the first time, there wasn't, we didn't get a lot of help because it's still sexuality and being gay and all of those things were literally only talked about in the gay bar. Like that was pretty much it. And so I feel like now that there are these safe spaces. It's our job as the elder millennials or the elder queers, geriatric, the, ger- <laughs> the geriatric millennials to make sure that these safe spaces stay open and, and stay functioning for younger people so that they don't have to spend the first 20 years of their queer life, figuring out the things that we had to figure out. And I also think it's important for us to share the stories of the people who fought before us and who came before us. And as you said, we had a lot of people that we knew or, or the generation right before us that we didn't necessarily know they were taken too early by AIDS. And um, we got to keep those stories going. And so I think that's kind of what drives me to want to participate with Knox pride is just, to honor everybody who fought before us and to make sure that the people after us don't have to fight as hard as we did. Leave the world better than you found it. Yes. That is our goal. Exactly. Matt. I think I got started with it because, you know, I felt like after so long, you just kind of feel like you have to start doing something because like you, you see everything going so bad around us like with with lgbt or trans people of color like it's so hard to just sit back after so long and just watch that and not do anything so i decided you know i was going to try out um and it's great to just give back do what we do you know we don't really have a lot of free time to do much anything else you know we're always doing something here or doing something for somebody at knox pride so um i feel like it was just to to give back finally to get back out there and lend my hand. And plus it's awesome to like be that person for, you know, now the younger people, cause you know, any of us didn't have that growing up. So that was, it was good to be there for somebody. It's also heck of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. If I have to spend all of my free time with a group of people, I'm glad it's this group of people. Yeah. yeah cause like you're all my best friends too. Like we're all like really good friends. It's true. We have all gotten, we're like a little cult almost, but like our family is a better word. Or family, <laughs> sure. But we do, we do tend to have as much fun as we are working as we can. And uh, we also work really hard and Knox pride uh, is a hundred percent built and run by people who are here on a volunteer basis. So if you would like to volunteer with Knox Pride, uh, you can email me, the volunteer coordinator, 
at BigGayJames at KnoxPride.com, and I will put you on our list of volunteers. We would love your help. Yeah, we got a lot of things to do coming up, so any help will help. So please get with Big Gay James. Matt, who are some of your current queer heroes? Have you guys ever seen Pose, the TV show? Of course. Okay. I watched the first season. Okay. Well, so it's a really good show. And like, I guess just really seeing that on um, television was, it was crazy. It's, I mean, granted that came out like what, 2021, 2020. So like, it was a crazy show for that time. But like people in that show were just, it was so crazy to finally get to see like queer people of color on television, trans people of color. So like all those actors that are on there and actresses, like they are amazing so i kind of look up to them like that's brave to get out there especially acting and doing all this stuff too while you're doing fighting a good fight on television like it's crazy so like th- those people are amazing yeah i love how much queer representation there is in media now so much more than when i was younger i, I mean when i was younger we rupaul existed but RuPaul was much, much smaller of a name when we were, were younger, you know, oh, like yeah. it was pre, pre <laughs> yeah. yeah, just pre drag race, just like a leftover from, from the New York party scene, basically. Um, she would pop up on like Maury and, and the Ricky Lake show and things like that. And had a talk show of her own for a Yeah, you're right. I yeah. forgot about the that. The RuPaul show. Yes. Yeah. With talking about representation in media, I think the thing that really sticks out to me especially now is that previously when you think about things that i mean this is not talking bad about them at all but like will and grace your gay characters on that show were very much just kind of caricatures of what gay life was supposed to be right and now we have queer characters who first of all that's not their defining characteristic is that they're queer that just happens to be part of their identity that's great and they're much more fleshed out than just those cliches that we you know we knew when we were growing up yeah, I've been watching queer media as a queer for t- over 25 years, and it wasn't until probably 2020 that I felt represented by something that right. I saw on television or in a movie. Um, I I ha- have been uh, talking with people about this recently. I If you watch Netflix... And you, especially something that's geared for anybody like under the age of 40 is the target audience for you just in the background, you just see queer people and non-binary people and trans people and fat people and people of all shapes and sizes just in the background. It's so beautiful because representation for those things in a main character, yes, are important, but I think it's more important to see those people as background actors and in the background because we exist, we exist everywhere. And, and if you haven't noticed, you should start notice how noticing how well Netflix has been representing everyone. Should I ask another question? Yeah. Do you have another question, Matt? Let's see. So kind of speaking of like the new generation. So you are pretty popular on TikTok, I hear. <laughs> So what I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I've got like 
a little over six thousand followers. Okay, I'm not, well, so I haven't, I haven't, I'm not like getting paid by TikTok well, or I anything. Know, no, listen, you said you got like fifty cents the other day. So I, let, I let's think take in total, that. I've made about two dollars and ninety three cents off of TikTok. See, that's perfect. In the three years that I've been on it. Okay, so let's just say this: pretty popular on TikTok. In the Knoxville area, you would say that. Okay, maybe. Okay, I I've, I've, I do pop up so. on the for you page every now and then. But so, like, what made you want to start making videos and wanting to be out there? What made you want to be a social media darling? Yeah, the pandemic, I guess. Okay. Um, I uh, mean, that is a good answer for so many questions. For so much. I mean, I really just downloaded it to watch other people make content and i've always wanted whatever can get me attention i'm interested in and so i started making videos and i made about two weeks into having a tiktok i made a video of me dancing by the dumpster at my job at the time to that song river <laughs> which was like a trending song at the point at that point and um, I, I don't know. It got a couple thousand views, and I was like, I I, f I was like instantly somebody. I was like, oh, this video has two hundred thousand views. Um, and then you got that dopamine hit. I did, and then I've just <laughs> been like chasing ever since. I've just been chasing the 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 highly viewed videos ever since, and I have a few, but I mostly just have a lot of fun with it. And my favorite thing to do is address the haters. Honestly, I love. I love making cis straight men feel uncomfortable and I love appropriating redneck culture and I love anything that's going to make the people I don't like mad at me. But why do you think that that happens? Like not obviously it's you, but like so I've we I've seen some of the comments that you've read off to us like while we're hanging out and stuff, but should we do a segment where I just <laughs> read the awful things that some people say to me on TikTok? That might be fun. I'm I'm here for that. Because <laughs> well, like, you know, if if it's just it's not just you, thousands of other LGBT people are getting attacked. Yeah. So like for I mean, it's a, it's 100% by people who are not and probably will never be comfortable enough with themselves to live authentically. And they're angry about it. And they don't understand how to deal with any sort of emotion other than be mean. That is their answer yeah. to everything. And I I joke and I say that I like, I like the hate. For every negative comment that I get, it keeps me in the algorithm. They don't understand that they're they're giving me the power that I crave. But honestly, I would rather there are people who don't take it as well as I do on those social media platforms. And so I would rather take all of the heat so that they can just live authentically. Yeah. And I also, for every hate comment that I get, there's somebody who saw my video that liked it or saw my video and identified with me or saw my video and was inspired to be a little bit more themselves than they were the day before. I'll take a hundred hate comments if it makes one person a little bit better or a little bit more themselves, you know, if you're interested in checking out my TikTok content, you can follow me at milk.milk.lemonade. <laughs> Let's see. I think that I've gone through most of my questions. 
JD, what's your favorite local queer business? How dare you? How dare you make me pick just one? <laughs> okay, what are some of your favorite local no, queer I, businesses? I think I can say my favorite. I think my favorite is South Press. That was my answer. I would venture to say it's probably all three of our answers. Well, listen, I also have to throw in French fried vintage there. Oh. Like it's it's pretty queer and it's pretty awesome too. So you got Knoxville, please also check out French fried vintage. But you know who's another one? Mama Bear with Christy. Oh, we're gonna have her. She's she's on the schedule to be on the podcast. I love Chrissy. I love her cookies really anything she makes is delicious the fam- her family is amazing i just want to shout her out specifically now that we've brought in her up that um whenever the friendsgiving at, at at south press happened i am a vegan as everyone around me knows i'm not one of those <laughs> uns- insufferable people who talks about it all the time but she made a vegan apple crumble cuz she knew i was going to be there and I, a couple of people ate it, but I ate the majority of it. And she tried to make me take it home. And I was like, I cannot take this home because I will go home and I will eat the, oh, yeah. the whole this thing the minute I sit down. I was very sad I missed Friendsgiving this year. I can't remember why I couldn't be there, but I missed it this year. She makes those everything but the sink cookies. Oh. And they are phenomenal. She also has grazing boxes that are just filled with all kinds of cookies and brownies and fudge and things like that. Uh, you should definitely check her out. All right. I got one for you guys. So it's been, I guess, now a year for me for being a part of Knox Pride. What have you guys seen in the past couple years that's been such a change with Knox Pride? I think the biggest change really is the shift from just being an annual Pride Festival to having multiple community spaces where we share resources with the community and we host events and we uh, teach classes and we have workshops and um, pride. I think Knox pride used to be one weekend a year and now it is 365 days a year. Yeah. Um, And also what I love is seeing a lot of people really uh blossom and really take on a lot of projects that they probably didn't feel like they were capable of doing but they gave it their all and came out on top i've seen a lot of growth not just in knox pride but in my friends and loved ones who commit their time to it and that's probably the most beautiful part of all of it yeah I think that just based on the limitations of not having a physical space, previously Knox Pride, a lot of our events were more geared towards those 18 or like over 18, you know, adult, um, not necessarily adult content, but just that was the crowd that came. And now with having a physical space, we can reach out to more of our community, especially those segments that are underserved, such as the youth queer community and our elder queer community we're able to service so many more people just because we have a physical footprint now. And that's, that's fantastic. Even small things like just moving pride from June to October makes, makes it so much more accessible for so many other people who can't stand out in the heat all day long in the summer. I also, like JD said, I love that we are sort of shifting the narrative and trying to, 
have events that are for all ages without any sort of age restriction because being queer doesn't have any sort of age restriction. So Knox Pride should not have any sort of age restriction. Right. And then at least here in Knoxville, you know, all the bars here are 21 and up. Um, and then having the kid, like the college students here, it was in October. They got to be here for it instead of being gone in July. If they like vacation or whatever, they can still be here to enjoy the festival now that it's in October. Um, and I feel like a lot of, a lot of like college age students were there, which was great to see. Um, while we were there this year. Did you guys have a favorite part about Pride this uh, this past year in 2022? I didn't have a lot of free time at Pride this year. I hosted on the lawn stage, which ate up most of... I did get 30 minutes where I got to steal Story's golf cart to drive around to look at all the dogs. Right. But for the most part, I was just on the microphone all day. Um, but I I really just loved being able to have Pride again. It was the first time since before the pandemic that we've been able to have Pride Festival. And I would say that my f- favorite part of the whole event was the end of the evening when everything was winding down. And I got to sort of gather with all of my friends and watch the last little bit of entertainment for the evening and really just get to look around and see everything that we had all been working so hard on come together and and it was a beautiful beautiful festival it was i uh, it was the, probably one of the best festivals that pride's ever had not to not to toot our own horns yeah but <laughs> i mean just just because we're now with knox pride doesn't mean like we have to enjoy it like no it's it's genuinely fun it is a little it is a little hard because you do we do put a lot of work into creating this event for everyone and making sure everyone has a good time and is able to share the time and the space with their loved ones. And we as volunteers don't necessarily get to do that ourselves. I did have a little pro I, 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 there were times during the day when I wanted to look over and share love with my friends and I couldn't cause we were spread out all over the festival working, but we did get to come together at the end of the night and, and it was a lot of fun, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, trade it for the world. I cried at the end of the weekend, which is always a good indicator that I've had a good time. So exactly, <laughs> like a good cry, not, not, not a bad cry. <laughs> it was, it was a happy, it was cry. A happy cry. Today, we, today, um, there was a girl here shopping in the thrift shop, and she said that she had kept count of all of the times that she cried in 2020, and I thought. Uh, that would be a lot of a lot of writing for me. If yeah, I, wrote I, I would run out of paper. Like <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't tally it anymore. Um, but I remember at Pride, I just started crying whenever they just got done having the lights and music set up, and just hearing that reflect off of that stage, it it was just too much, and I was like, nope. Here comes the tears. Like this is this is what gets me. But it was so pretty to see all that up there. Yeah, but also at that point, I think a lot of us had been up for like thirty six hours. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, we were there very late and early that whole week leading up. I spent the whole week before Pride stuffing things into bags. <laughs> that is that was my yeah. job pre Pride was just 
stuffing things into bags or folding t-shirts. Thousands um, of t-shirts that took us two or three nights to fold. And again, we always need help with that. <laughs> so And it's always fun when we do it. We were just we always having have a, a great time. time, having food, uh just having a, a good laugh with each other. It was it was crazy fun. I think it's safe to say we're all pretty excited for Pride Fest 2023. Oh yeah. We got a lot of things in plan for you guys this year and in October, not June. Yes, where it's not 97 degrees outside. You get to relax in the cool breeze, but we're excited to bring you guys some more very exciting stuff this year. Well, we've got a lot to work on, so we probably better let you guys go for now. But I do want to thank my co-host Matt for being here this evening and our tech director sound engineer JD for joining us and talking he's pretty much told us this is the last time you'll hear his voice on this podcast <laughs> we're gonna try to keep it fun with each other we, we want everybody to interact and you know we're gonna have a bunch of different guests throughout the season so we are super excited for you guys to meet everybody that we have lined up to come on the podcast, to share their stories, to to give us their life um, while you're listening to it in your car. And hopefully your people like Chrissy will bring cookies when they come. Oh, I'm, you know she will. <laughs> Maybe we'll have some cookie eating ASMR on an episode. I feel like that would be a great, a great episode. We're all just <laughs> sitting here eating cookies, enjoying each other's time. That, I mean... Well, thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of the Knox Pride podcast. By the time you hear this, we'll already be hard at work on episode two, and we can't wait for you to hear what we have for you. In the meantime, make sure to head over to knoxpride.com to check out our calendar for all upcoming events. We'll see you soon. Knox Pride Podcast is produced by J.D. Davis, Matt Navarro-Camp, and James Owens with recording and engineering by J.D. Davis. Knox Pride Podcast is a community-driven effort, and we need your help. Please email us at podcast at knoxpride.com with any questions, ideas for guests, or suggestions on content. And don't forget to follow us at Knox Pride Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Knox Pride Podcast is brought to you by Knox Pride Network with funding from the United Way. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.